Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Matthew chapter 6 is where we have been now for a little bit, except for last week, me being gone, and so thankful again for Pastor Trent. I was able to listen to it later. Uh, wonderful job going through Psalm 23. Really, really incredible. So thankful for him and his diligence in studying God's word and delivering it to to our church. But we've been going through the book of Matthew for months now, and more specifically, really honed in on the Sermon on the Mount, which is just three chapters in Matthew, but a dense three chapters, right? And so that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We've been hunkering down there. And within that time in Sermon on the Mount, we're right now in chapter 6, looking at a section on spiritual disciplines, things that we would do vertically in relationship to God. So last time we were in Matthew, we looked at giving, worshiping through um, giving of monetary means. And that was chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And now this week and next week, we're going to be looking at the spiritual discipline of prayer, prayer. I want to read the passage in its entirety to start with, and then we'll just work back through it as normal, okay? Starting in verse 5, and I want to go through verse 13. This is what God's Word says. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And when you pray, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this week and next week, we'll be looking at the topic of prayer. I want you to notice from the offset, just like the discipline of giving, this is an assumed practice for mature Christians. He says multiple times, when you pray, when you pray, not if you pray, if you get to it, it's when we pray. really increasingly become aware that prayer can be quite uncomfortable for a lot of people. And uh, in fact, some might rather stand in front of a crowd and sing before they would pray. It can be intimidating. It can be nerve-wracking. It's humbling. But prayer is not meant to be optional or a side or second thought. It's 
not meant to be done only when we need something. That's what many utilize prayer for. It's when, when I really need something, then I'll, I'll come to the Lord in prayer. I, I appreciate Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, speaking on this. And he says, most men forget God all day long. And then they'll ask him to remember them at nighttime. That's not how it should be. You see, a prayerless Christian is an oxymoron which the Bible knows nothing about. A prayerless Christian is to say, I have a Savior who died for my sins who I don't want to talk to. It's an oxymoron. You see, prayer is as early as Genesis 4 in the Bible and as late in the Bible as the very last page. There are 600 prayers in the Bible, 25 of them modeled by our Savior himself, including this one we just read, the Lord's Prayer. The Bible says that we are to pray about everything, Philippians 4, and without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5. Prayer is important, isn't it? And so, because prayer is important, we're going to take some time in this passage when Jesus talks about it. I'm going to really break it up into two weeks. We're not going to go through all of it this week. We'd miss too much. Today, we're going to look at the instructions Jesus gives about prayer before he models a prayer. Okay, so we're going to look at verses 5 through 8 today, his instructions about prayer. And then next week, we're going to actually look at the model prayer Jesus gives for us, which is now commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at that next week. But today, 5 through 8, we'll note, I want you to notice that Jesus' instructions on prayer, they're really warnings about temptations you're going to face when you pray. It's like, hey, flashing yellow lights, I want you to be warned about these, these temptations that are going to rise up within you. When you go to the Lord in prayer, you're going to want to do these things. And I want to warn you to keep from doing them. I think of one of my childhood favorite movies, Aladdin. I don't think we've watched it with Judah. I think we have maybe actually once. Uh, Aladdin. I don't know if you know the story of Aladdin, but there's this time where he's told to go in this cave of wonders, I think it's called, and he's going to see all these things which are going to allure him and draw him. But he's told, don't entertain any of it. Don't touch any of it. Go for the one thing you went there for. Get that and that alone. And that's really, I think, what Jesus is saying here. When you enter the realm of prayer, there's going to be some temptations to stray off with your attention on different things, but just go for the one thing, the one person you enter that realm of prayer for. <clears throat> and so let's walk through that. And hopefully through this text, we'll be able to avoid some of these temptations that arise within us when we pray. Two of them in, in particular that we need to work to avoid when praying. Firstly, is the temptation while praying to campaign for other people's attention. The temptation while praying to campaign for other people's attention. That is to pray for them to notice you. Look at verse 5. When you pray, 
you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and they love to pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by other people. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Whether we want to admit it or not, it is a common desire and temptation to want to look religious and pious in front of other people. Prayer is a great way to do that. Just think about during worship, when we're praying, when we're closing our eyes, maybe so bold as to maybe lift a hand, and then we start thinking about, what's Tommy back there think about that? It's that. We have a desire to look religious and pious and impressive. Think about when uh, we have people over, right? You, you, you invite a guest over, a family over. Maybe you invite the pastor over and, and he sits down at your table. <gasps> oh, no. And normally, maybe your household might be, let's pray. Good food, good meat, good God, let's eat, right? Amen. If a prayer at all. But then when someone comes over, you say, family, join your hands in prayer. Almighty Heavenly Father, oh gracious and merciful one, we thank thee. And, and the kid leans over to mom and says, what's dad doing? Why is he so weird? Because they're not used to that. What that scenario is doing is praying to God, but really just thinking about what Joe thinks about my prayer. You tracking with me? And when we do this, praying for somebody else to notice us, we get something out of it. But you also give up something too. What you might get when you pray for other people to look at you is maybe impressing that person whose praise doesn't matter and lasts about two seconds. And then they'll forget about how impressive you were. That's what you'll get out of it. That's your reward. What you're going to give up, what you're going to forfeit when you pray, thinking about other people, is almighty God's attention. That's what you give up. That's what you trade in. That's what you forfeit. God's attention. He'll turn and give no attention to such prayers. You might think, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. We can do things that will extinguish God's interest in our prayers. Do you know that? Proverbs 21 says that if we forget about the poor, we're going to receive that same treatment from God, being forgotten. Proverbs 21.13. Isaiah 1.15 says that if we're violent to other people, God will hide his ear from our cries for mercy. Isaiah 1.15. 1 Peter 3.7 warns husbands particularly that if you don't honor your wives, your prayers will be hindered. 
It's going to set a glass ceiling, and your prayers won't get past it. Here, we see in the text that if you pray just for somebody else to notice you, well, they'll be the only ones who do. If you pray for Joe to pay attention to you and think something of you, well, Joe will be the only one who's listening. This is a daunting reality to think about, isn't it? We can make some horrible trades in life. Horrible trades. Esau traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. I traded my signed t-shirt from the Kansas City Wizards for a Pokemon trading card. Bad decision. I still regret it to this day. The Wizards, if you don't know, are the, the team before they became Sporting Kansas City. Anyway, I don't have the, sh- I, I wish I, I don't even know what Pokemon card it was anymore. But it wasn't worth that. The worst trade that anyone could make is swapping out God for another person. Swapping God's ear, God's care, God's interest, God's concern for you and what's going on for another person to think something of you for about two seconds. Horrible trade. And so, Jesus says, fight this temptation. Don't make that your only reward. Don't make that trade. Instead, pray in secret. Verse 6. But when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. That's a better trade. You might forfeit Joseph being impressed, but you get the reward of God and his gift to you. We we really need to stop for a second, don't we? And and find out how do we balance this command in verse 6 with our seemingly contrasting or, or opposing command in Matthew 5.16. To let our light shine before men. So which is it? They're in the same sermon, Jesus. Look at Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let your light shine before other people so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who's in heaven. So which is it? Should I pray in private for God to see me only? But should I, or should I do it for somebody else to see me and give glory to God? Well, neither command can fit all situations. Always doing it privately or always doing it publicly. These commands aren't intended to be blanket statements for all situations at all times. They're circumstantial. I think on your motive, your heart. Let me explain what I mean here, how you balance these two. Matthew 6, 6, Matthew 5, 16. You see privacy in prayer. Getting alone in your room, just praying with no one to see but God. This is great for personal, spiritual enrichment, isn't it? But it can become sinful if you're just embarrassed to to show your faith in front of other people. If you only pray in a closed room for no one to see because you don't want them to know you're a Christian, 
That's something entirely different than praying in private to have spiritual enrichment with God, isn't it? Then you think about public prayer, praying on the street corner, praying in a service like this. It's great if you're a witness to another person, whether it be a non-Christian or a, a weaker Christian. That's great if you're a witness to them. But it's bad if you're doing it just to toot your own horn and make yourself look impressive. You see, both of them could be good and could be bad. I guess said another way, we can be tempted to hide our faith from people out of self-preservation. And we can be tempted to display our faith in front of other people out of self-promotion. And both self-preservation, private prayer, and self-promotion, public prayer, we're sinning because we are self-focused. It's about me. But, but flip it around. If we pray in private just to be alone with God, or if we pray in public to be courageous about our love for God, then we're living out this balance that Jesus calls us to in the Sermon on the Mount. You see, there is a time for being public, and there's a time for being private. Jesus himself rightfully got away to pray in private, and Daniel rightfully prayed in the public's eye, receiving a lot of lashback for it. Both can be good and holy actions. Here's the catch. We need to do the hard work of looking at why we want to pray in private or why we want to pray in public and figure out when it's right to do either one. The answer is always found in which glorifies God in that moment and which one would be an action of me being faithful to him. So, if you're coming up at the end of service, for example, let it be because you are just courageously surrendering before God. And you don't care who watches. I need to come forward. I need to pray with somebody. Let it be for that, not because you want other people looking at you and wondering what's going on in your life. If you're leading a prayer in one of our monthly evening prayer services, do it to shine his light, not so you can just be seen yourself. We have to check our motives on these things. But what does it look like to have a private prayer life, as verse 6 would talk about? Go into your room and shut your door and pray to your father in secret. Well, I don't think he's speaking metaphorically here, like a metaphoric room and a metaphoric uh, door. He's speaking literally. Literally, go into your room. Literally, shut the door. Literally, don't let anyone watch you sometimes and pray. Maybe you have a really busy life and you'd say, <laughs> Isaac, okay, problem here. I don't have a minute alone. Get that? Can I push back in love a little bit? If life is too busy for prayer, or something off kilter. 
prayer trumps ball games. And even if it's just asking the hu- your husband or your wife or whichever and say, can you just have the kids for five minutes? All you have to do is stir the pasta. Seriously, you can't mess it up. I'm going to the room and just praying for a couple minutes. It's that simple. If the God who spun this world into existence had time to get away and pray, what does that say about me in my busy life? Naturally, though, we want to ask about that second sentence there in verse 6. So what's the reward? (laughs) What'd you get me? What'd you get me? What'd you get me? (laughs) What's the reward he's going to get us if we do this? How good of a deal is this? I think about when I was a kid, I would go to the Christmas tree. Don't act like you didn't do it either. But go, go to the Christmas tree and you'd start shaking the boxes and maybe you'd pull back the wrapping paper just a little bit to see if you can see the color of the box. That gives you something to go off of. Maybe a word or two or a letter or two. I can think through that for a little while. Right? You just want to know what is what's the present? If you know where mom and dad hit him, like I knew it was on the second shelf in my dad's closet, um, you could just go to the closet and, and look at the present. We want to know, what's, what do we got? What's the gift? This text doesn't tell us. Your father who sees you in secret will reward you. I think the point of the text is not what you get, but who is giving it. When you know God is the gift giver, it doesn't matter what it is. He's a God that gives good gifts, period. And so whatever he's giving, let me tell you, it's better. It's better than the alternative reward, for sure. It's better than what you could have ever hoped for. It's certainly better than what you deserve. And that's what we need to know about the reward that God gives us. Who it's coming from means it's better. It's better. That's the first temptation that we need to avoid when we're praying is don't pray trying to campaign for somebody else to look at me. The second temptation while praying that we need to avoid is to campaign for God's attention. Fight the temptation to campaign for God's attention. Verse 7. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. In other words, they would elaborate their prayers. They would just go on and on and on and on because they think the more the words, the more likely God's going to hear me. In their prayer time, they are campaigning to get God to pay attention. Thinking that it will win God over more if I pray more. You know who does that? Pagans. Non-Christians. Jesus says Gentiles. We even see this in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 18. Maybe you've heard the story of the Baal priests. They're up on Mount Carmel 
And they're like, they're just dying for Baal to answer them in their prayer time. And so they're cutting themselves and they're bleeding out their arms on this sacrifice. They're dancing and they're chanting and they're running up and down, exhausting themselves. Just for him to pay attention. This is what it says, verse 26. They called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry louder, for he is a god, right? Either he's musing or maybe he's relieving himself. Or he's, he's on a journey. It keeps going. Or perhaps he's asleep. He needs to be awakened. And so they cried louder and they cut themselves after the custom of swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of oblation. And that would be at about dusk time. So, Morning to noon, noon to dusk. They, they, they're doing this all day. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. You see, when we try to take this pagan practice and apply it to our relationship with God, we're doing two things. Please hear this. Firstly, we, sh- we show that we don't have faith that God even hears us. That God is there listening all the time. It shows we don't have faith. Secondly, it shows that we think we can somehow manipulate God if we do it a certain way. We all know this if you have kids. Please, 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 please. And you just keep, and then until finally, mom and dad have been sapped of all sanity, cave on any request just to hear it stop. We think that we can manipulate God if we just ask long enough. So what is our lesson here if we're just going back to the text? I would say bring all of your requests to God. That's biblical. Fully trusting, though, in his unwavering character and faithfulness from the very start. So I think this leads to a natural question, doesn't it? Are long prayers always bad then? Is it bad to elaborate, to go on and on in prayer then? And I would say emphatically, no, it's not always bad. Jesus, in fact, himself prayed long prayers in Luke chapter 6. Think, Hannah. There we go. In these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. Continued on in prayer to God. And so he commands his disciples to do the same. Luke 18, verse 1. Jesus told them in a parable to to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. So, are long prayers bad? No. No. David prayed nonstop with one focus 
That was his son's life being preserved after David had sinned with Bathsheba. He just got down and he just wept in prayer. You know what I'm talking about? I remember when Sarah was pregnant with Judah. I was up here working in the church office, and this was back when we lived in Cameron. And I remember she was pregnant with Judah, and she had called me and said, Isaac, I'm having some issues. Called the OB. They said, get to Liberty Hospital right now. And so she just, she drove there. Her mom was working at Liberty at the time, and so um, my mother-in-law was already going to be there with her. I jumped in my car, and I'm so thankful. God cleared the way of all cops, uh, because that would have been a hefty price tag, given the speed I was going. But I remember getting there, and the whole, I mean, regardless how fast you're going, you got at least 45 minutes in the car going to Liberty. (laughs) That gives you an idea of how fast I was going. Um, And so if you're going to sit there for 45 minutes all by yourself, all you can do is just pray, right? And I didn't pray about the weather. I didn't pray about tomorrow's meeting. I had one thing that I was praying for for 45 minutes, and that was my son's life, right? I had no idea. I had no information about what was going on. So is it bad to pray emphatically about one thing, nonstop? No. You see, there is a difference between nonstop prayer, because that's all you know to do in that moment, and nonstop prayer because you think that's what it takes to get God to listen. There's a huge, there's worlds apart. So when you're desperate, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't get off your knees and stop praying. But just don't think that God needs a 10,000 word count before he checks in either. Simply put, keep praying if you need you to keep praying. But don't keep praying just because you think God needs you to keep praying. Last verse. Jesus tells us why we don't need to elaborate just to win God's attention. Verse 8 is what we're going to end with. He says, do not be like them, for your father knows that you need, he knows what you need before you ask him. In this one verse, we see two reasons why we don't need long prayers for God to listen to us. Firstly, it's because God already knows, right? He already knows. And this is well attested for in scripture all over the indisputable reality that God knows everything, should comfort us when we're praying, all right? Psalm 147, Psalm 44, 21. God knows the secrets of the heart. He knows everything. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. He already knows what you're going through. And so that's true with your worries too. Can you just hear that? Whatever you're going through, God already knows. You're not catching him up to speed. In fact, he's only caught you up to speed. That's the first thing. He already knows. But secondly, he already cares. Go back to the text. Who already knows? Your father. Your father knows. This is talking about the love that he has for his children. Like the song we just sung I'm no longer a slave to fear why I'm a child of God 
I'm not just a person. I'm a child of God. And my Father knows. So Christian, go to God in prayer. He knows. He cares. He is your heavenly Father who has saved you and redeemed you and will one day come back and glorify you. So if I were to just summarize this, I would say don't pray in order to gain an audience. Pray because you already have the greatest audience fully focused on you all the time. He already knows all about it. And yet he wants to hear you talk about it too. Many of you might know Charlene Daniels passed away this week. Uh, long-standing member of the church. Um, hasn't been able to come in a long time. You know, but um, Many have been able to go visit her this past week before she passed. And Pastor Trent and I were able to go and, and sit with her and, and read scripture and pray with her. And then uh, once she passed, I got a hold of Dean, her, her son-in-law, and just check on him, see how he's doing with it all, see how Carol, his wife, is doing. And, and uh, you know what he said to me on the phone? He said, you know, I sure hope when you went and visited her that you prayed with her. She loves prayer. <laughs> I said, we prayed. And in fact, she could barely talk, but she whispered, all you can do is pray. And uh, pretty amazing. She loved prayer. I hope you also love prayer. Prayer is a wonderful gift that comes with a great reward. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.